0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. My name is Juan Thomas, and I have the honor of serving on the Executive Council of the National Conference of Bar Presidents. And I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded during the National Conference of Bar Presidents 2021 virtual annual meeting. As a national network, NCBP brings together current and past bar leaders from state, metropolitan, and affinity bar associations to share ideas about how we can address critical issues facing the legal profession. Joining me today is my friend and colleague, Reginald Turner, the president-elect of the American Bar Association and who will be sworn in as the ABA president on Monday, August 9th of this year. Reggie, welcome to the show.
1: Good afternoon, Juan. It's a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: It's good to see you virtually. Before we get started, Reggie, even though you and I have known each other for over 20 years, there may be listeners here that are listening who may not know your background. Can you share a bit about yourself and your ascension to the presidency of the American Bar Association?
1: Thank you, Juan. I have uh, been mentored by a number of great leaders in the profession uh, over the course of my career as a lawyer. Uh, It started with Dennis Archer, who was uh, a, a major figure in my development as a a lawyer and as a leader in the Bar Association. I I first met him when he was president of the State Bar of Michigan and he visited the University of Michigan Law School where I was serving as president of the Law School Student Senate. And I had the privilege of walking him around the law school and getting to know him a bit. I had heard of him before uh, through my dad. Uh, They were both uh, very close to Detroit's mayor at the time, Coleman Young. So it was an opportunity for me to meet him. And uh, we, uh, we stayed in touch. Uh, a few months after I met him, he uh, was appointed to the Michigan Supreme Court bench. And as he became a justice of the Michigan Supreme Court, uh, he uh, had the, had to run to keep the seat. In Michigan, when, a, when you're appointed to a judgeship, you have to run in the next election to, to hold on to the seat, so I called him when I learned that he had had an election coming up and uh, offered to volunteer um, to, uh, to to do canvassing on his behalf uh, in Ann Arbor where Michigan Law School is located but all, and also in the city of Detroit. That began a beautiful friendship and uh, um, I was later selected to be one of his law clerks at the Michigan Supreme Court. And during that period, he was starting the ABA's first diversity and inclusion program, uh, which at that time was called the Commission on Opportunities for Minorities in the Legal Profession. Uh, It has now blossomed into the ABA Diversity Center with um, many entities under that banner that, um, Address the full panoply of the diversity issues across the entire spectrum, and uh, and I had the privilege of watching that at the beginning. I've had my own exercises in in supporting diversity. Um, I think you know one that uh, that I um, worked with Ted Shaw and the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Funds on the Gratz and Gruder affirmative action cases for six that. years um, right. from the trial court through the US Supreme Court. And uh, I still consider those cases to be the most important cases of my career. We got what the newspapers called as a, a split decision, uh, some newspapers. But the fact is that um, the, 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 the ultimate holding, uh, particularly in the Grutter case, was that universities could take into account uh, the need for diversity for the benefit of the entire student body. Not solely for the diverse students, but to give everyone the opportunity um, to to have contact with people of different races, genders, uh, and so forth. So in any any event, I have uh, been very fortunate over the course of my career to have many mentors like Paulette Brown, Robert Gray, Dennis Archer, uh, and, and, and countless others who have kept me on the right path to have my oar in the water, so to speak, um, as we're trying to navigate the path to true diversity, equity, and inclusion. Wonderful.
0: Reggie, you mentioned Dennis Archer, and of course we all know he was the first African-American president of the American Bar Association. I think you would agree that he's done his job, and the job of the first is to make sure he's not the last. And so not only, Reggie, you, but also Paulette Brown and Robert Gray have served as ABA president. And so you will become the fourth African-American to serve as ABA president. So we're very proud of um, your career and very excited about your leadership. And that would take me to the next question, which is, what is your vision um, as you become ABA president? Um, Where do you plan to take the ABA and what's your vision for the ABA?
1: Uh, There was a time when ABA presidents uh, had what were called presidential initiatives, so that uh, the president would come in and say, "Well, this is what I'm going to do for my year. We're going to go and this is going to be, you know, the, my signature effort." Um, uh, that uh, that's really kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, the ABA is is looking more toward continuity in programming, and uh, that doesn't mean we can't address current events. Of course, we will. But uh, the goal would be to use our existing resources, our um, existing entities to guide those programs that address the issues of the day, no matter where they come up and, uh, and, and no matter how they fit into the, the work of the legal profession, um, the ABA can, can react and use its resources um, to fulfill um, its goals uh, to serve our members, Um, serve the public, uh, promote diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to promote the rule of law around the world. You mentioned
0: those four pillars of the ABA um, that you um, have articulated, and you're absolutely right. We do need continuity in many of our um, legal and bar associations. Is there um, any particular thoughts you have regarding One of those four pillars that you're going to, of course, focus on all four of them. But is there one in particular that you want to highlight as you begin your presidency next week?
1: Well, as you've heard me say many times, Juan, uh, no organization of lawyers shall long survive if it has not uh, for its primary object, the protection of the public. That's right. And, And that's a quote from Roberts P. Hudson, who is the first president of the State Bar of Michigan. The service to the public is a significant part and parcel of all of the other three goals of, of the ABA. Um, when we serve our members, um, it helps them serve the public better. Right. Uh, when we support the rule of law, uh, that is for the public benefit. That's right. So all four of the ABA goals really are around um, creating uh, opportunities for lawyers to make our society work better for all people. Wonderful.
0: You know, you have been president of multiple bar associations. And as you become president of the ABA, do you have any advice or thoughts you would share with other incoming bar presidents on a local or state level since you've been a bar leader on the local and state level or even national level?
1: Uh, Collaboration is our keynote. Um, (laughs) We collaborate within uh, the American Bar Association and with other organizations across the spectrum to address the the needs of of the public and to address the four goals of the ABA.
0: Collaboration is key. That is absolutely correct. Do you have any thoughts or concerns around the pandemic? You know, we do know this Delta variant is becoming a significant issue across the country. The ABA is meeting in a hybrid fashion um, this year. Have you thought about how you're going to lead in the pandemic specifically, specifically, traveling or more virtual conferences and meetings, or do you see a hybrid component moving forward?
1: One thing that we've come to know with this pandemic is that uh, it does not provide certainty. So I will be working with our, our staff leadership team and our volunteer leadership team to continue to monitor what makes sense. Needless to say, we, uh, we were hoping to have an in-person meeting, and uh, then the Delta variant uh, popped up. That's right. So, um, yeah. so uh, we're we're going to have a hybrid uh, annual meeting this week and next. Uh, uh, we we will we will adjust as time goes on to address uh, the, the not only the four goals of the ABA, but of course, um, ensuring that we're providing um, a safe environment. Uh, for all of our participants in, our, in all of our programs.
0: All right, wonderful. The last question I want to ask you um, during our conversation today is if you had an opportunity to address the class of 2021 of law school graduates, would you share with them why should they join the American Bar Association?
1: The four goals are critically important to every lawyer in the nation. Uh, whether they actually um, get involved or not, because uh, our profession is very special. Um, It is imbued with uh, the trust of our entire legal system. And uh, accordingly, uh, we have to uh, have uh, the confidence of the public, we have to try to ensure that we live up to the oath that we take as lawyers. And, as uh, again, as you've heard me say many times, uh, uh, no organization of lawyers shall long survive, which is not for its primary object, the protection of the public.
0: That's right. Well, I misspoke. One thing I want you to share with these young lawyers, these new lawyers, is the lawyer's oath. I know you live by that creed. Could you share that with us and for new lawyers?
1: I will, I, I will give you my favorite part. How's that? Okay. In the interest of time, <laughs> uh, you know, in the lawyer's oath, we, we pledge to uh, practice law with civility, integrity, and concern for um, our clients and for the legal system. Uh, but my, my favorite part of that oath is the part that says, I shall never reject from any consideration personal to myself the cause of the defenseless or oppressed or delay anyone's cause for lucre or malice. Uh, And some of the most enjoyable contributions that I've made to the public welfare have come through following that tenant, working for uh, the defenseless and oppressed, whether six years of legal work all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court in the University of Michigan affirmative action cases, Gratz and Grutter, um, or working on landlord-tenant cases uh, in in the uh, legal clinic at the University of Michigan Law School um, to make, to to ensure that people have housing. So it's across the board. We are endowed with um, a special place in society and and I try to live up to uh, the oath we take to join that, that wonderful group.
0: Well, you certainly have, Reggie, and over the 20 years that I've known you personally, I can say that to paraphrase someone else that you and I often have quoted, um Charles Hamilton Houston um you are truly a social engineer and we want to thank you for your leadership and your service and look forward to your presidency of the American Bar Association well my friends we've reached the end of the road of end of the road for this episode i want to thank reggie turner for joining us today and thank all of you who listened and tuned in please visit ncbp org to find out more about the National Conference of Bar Presidents. If you like what you've heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. Thank you and have
1: a great day. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com.